listening to the Autism 411 podcast with Dr. Tamara Moody from the South Florida Autism Charter School. Welcome to another edition of the Autism 411 podcast from South Florida Autism Charter School. I'm John Roger alongside your host, Dr. Tamara Moody. How are you? I'm well. Good morning, Mr. Roger. And you know, today's just a special day. I've always wanted to interview you and your wife on how, you know, just the sacrifices that you guys have both made just to have your children in our school. But before I go go ahead and like say everything that we're going to talk about, why don't you introduce your beautiful wife that's sitting here with us this morning? I'd love to. Uh, Alongside me here today is my wife, Claudia Roger. Claudia, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for for joining us here. Happy to be here. So I met you guys how many years ago? Gee, what what year did we come? Was it uh, 2015s when we came here? I think we got accepted in 2016 by for Dominic, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, 2016. So it's been 19, 20, 21, almost five years, if not almost more. Almost. F- oh, wow. Um, when you guys moved here, because I know the story about you guys moving to Florida, but what I never really understood is that you, did you move here because you heard of the school, or did you move here and then you heard about the school? No, it was because we heard about the school before we moved here. You know, um, the way to describe it is that, you know, we lived in what's known as Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri. Um, It's uh, uh, kind of like a vacation town for folks across the Midwest. And uh, I worked in a radio station down there. And, you know, for the longest time I've been involved with that place. But then um, one day, you know, progressing, the kids, we had two kids. We have Anthony and Dominic. But Dominic you know, started off as kind of a slow learner. He had been in, Claudia had put her, uh, make sure that he was in uh, programs that were the early, early steps. steps. Yes. Right. And uh, so he had been getting some therapies just to help him learn because he wasn't talking. And um, that's when you just, you, you found out from the doctor that we may need to, to get a diagnosis. That's correct. Uh, we were on a waiting list uh, for a neurologist and we were... The nearest neurologist was about an hour away in the next town. And like I said, we were on a waiting list, so I was trying to be proactive. Um, I was pretty sure that the uh, diagnosis of autism was going to be a certain thing. And I was doing my due diligence as a parent, and that's how I came across the school. I was looking for resources outside of where we were. And since we had lived in Florida prior to that, um, that's where I, I looked because I was, you know, we were comfortable with the, with the state as we had lived there before. One of the things I remember the most was that, you know, there, there were options in Missouri where we lived. There were options not in our area. In our city, we'd have to leave. Um, you know, our, our community is 10,000 people and, you know, your standard schools and your standard life and nobody knew, nobody knows what autism is. And um, the only uh, special needs program we had, he already aged out of it before we found out he was autistic. And that, and that was the only one in the entire community in the city of Camdenton. Uh, and then outside of that, your only resources were, like she said, an hour away in Columbia or in Springfield. And that was the end of it. Um, they had the major cities in St. Louis and Kansas City had all these programs, but everything was private pay. Wow. And there was no assistance, you know, um, with medical services or vouchers. None of that stuff existed in Missouri. It, it's starting to exist now, but then there was nothing. So when I, Claudia and I were sitting down talking in our living room, we said, 
you know, the doctor had told you Dominic had autism and it was very likely that Anthony had autism as well. And we said, well, we need to go somewhere that we can get help for them. Where do we go? And that's when she found, because we decided to look in Florida, that's where she found SFAX. And that was, that was a great call because back then we didn't know really what the school was. We just knew that you guys offered a lot of resources and we said, well, we want to get in. We got to go. And we sold everything. I mean, everything we had to come down here and go. And we kept very little. All of our furniture was gone. And geez, we sold the boat. We sold the jet ski and um, sold one of our cars and said, look, let's let's go. So how long did it take you to get into SVAX after moving and making that sacrifice? Well, um, Dominic, how old was he? He was he was too young. He was too young when we first got here, but also we had, um, you know, there was uh, some kind of rule where he needed to go at least uh, one year in the public school system here to be recognized because mm-hmm. we were all from, you know, we just transplanted here. Um, but nonetheless, we got here in March 2015, and it wasn't until... Um, the 2060 year 2016 when it was middle I remember it very 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 well because we were in the middle of uh, the day and I was at work and Claudia tells me this story that <laughs> I, I love it you got to tell it because that's it's just the way that you tell it to everybody is so exciting about how you learned that Dominic got in oh so I was um, you know I was at home with uh, with Anthony he was um he was, you know, he was still a baby, so he wasn't in school. Uh, and Dominic, he was in preschool at this time. And uh, I got a phone call. I was sleeping on the couch, so I, I you know, I answered the call. And it was uh, a parent, um, a volunteer parent, and she tells me that, uh, I, it's hard to recall the story. It was so long ago. And I, as I mentioned, I was, I was sleeping. <laughs> Um, taking a mom nap and anyway so I picked up the phone and uh, the other person on the line they introduced themselves they tell me that they're calling from South Florida Autism Charter School and they told me that my child was accepted and my initial reaction was of shock and then I say to the person on the other line oh so does that mean that we don't have to go through the lottery (laughs) and then she says that's correct, and I think I screamed into the phone so loudly that I busted this poor person's eardrum. <laughs> and I immediately called my husband to tell him that we got in and we didn't have to wait through the lottery. Well, I'm happy that you guys are here. You guys have been great ambassadors of SFAX, and just the sacrifice that you guys made is so commendable because I've seen the improvement that Dominique has met um, in the last several years that he's been with us. And um, folks who are out there listening, and so you know, once one sibling gets in, the other sibling automatically gets into the school. So I think that Anthony came like a couple of years later. That's correct, yes. He came About a couple of years, years late, like two years later. Yeah. So now they have two boys in our school and um, and, you know, I never even realized the amount of siblings that was out there. I've never actually done a lot of research. There's not a lot of research on that um, to show that, you know, there's a, a great chance that there will be, you know, that second child may have autism. So in our school of 260 kids, I believe we have over 20 siblings now. Um, we have uh, we have twins. We have triple, not triplets, but we have like three of three different age, and we have a lot of two that are um, that that's here with us. So, so you're here, 
And I am almost sure that you guys had a hurricane. Like, after, was it you guys that was here for a hurricane? We've been here sure. for a few hurricanes, actually. <laughs> um, we were here for, uh, I think Matthew was one of the first ones that came in when we were here. And we left to uh, go to the other side of the state. And uh, but one of the biggest hurricanes that we dealt with was Irma. And uh, at the time, you know, for when I first moved here, I had taken a job with a friend of mine uh, working in, in marketing, which is something I, I know a lot about. But, you know, it wasn't my my forte. My forte is broadcast. Uh, and then over the course of the a couple of years ago, I got a call from iHeartRadio and they said, would you like to come work with us at WIOD here in, in Miami in the news in the newsroom? And I'm like, of course, this is what I do. So when I got the job, I mean, immediately getting the job, uh, Irma came and we wound up going and staying the entire weekend in the iHeart building. That was our first experience of being in a hurricane, but being in a building where it's okay to be in a hurricane. And we were sleeping, you know, we, we brought little uh, like tent cots and stuff and we slept on the floor in the conference room. Wow. And it was so cool. The kids just, they, they had all these windows that looked over the whole studio and everything. So they'd get up in the morning and they'd stand outside and wave at all the people coming by. And, you know, it was great. But yeah, you know, these hurricanes are... They're different than what we're used to. In one way, they're actually, you know, for a lot of folks, they're like, oh, you know, it can get really bad. And with Andrew, you can see that it got bad. My grandmother lived here during Andrew, and, I, and she lived through it while she was in Homestead. Uh, but, you know, where we come from, we have tornadoes. And tornadoes here are like, ah, something just came down from the sky, no big deal. Uh, our tornadoes are three times as bad as your hurricanes. And it's just that they're a smaller path. But um, at the time that we had left, we had experienced, you know, several tornado warnings in our area uh, with the kids not really understanding what a tornado was or what storms are. You know, it was, it was scary for them and we didn't know how to communicate with them. So that, you know, leads us back to why it was so important that we needed to get help because we realized at one point that we're not getting through to them. They were just living. Yeah. Well, I brought up the hurricane just because we've had several parents who made the sacrifice that you guys made. And I remember one of the first phone calls I get from our parents who are from different states was, Dr. Moody, this is our first hurricane. What do we do? <laughs> so I'm happy that you guys, well, you know, you, you paired well with um, the first hurricane that you guys ha um, went through here. So let's talk a little bit about didn't folks look at you guys like you were crazy, like moving yeah. to a different yeah. state and not even have gotten accepted? What if you guys didn't get accepted? Like yeah. right away, what would you have done? Like That was a big problem. Uh, I remember both of our families because our families, you know, come from two different sides of the state. My family is all in St. Louis. Her family is all in Kansas City. And I remember both of them asking us, well, what are you what are you doing? Why are you leaving Florida? Even my boss who I worked for was like, do you really need to go to Florida to get resources? I mean, there's other places. Nobody quite understood what we realized. What Actually, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's not me. Not me at all. It's literally Claudia because she realized how important what the mission of your school was and where it landed our children for their future. The more she researched and the more that you had found out, you know, that, you know, children on the spectrum, they have a hard life for the rest of their life. And if you don't set them up right, then you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, um, as John put it, it was a gamble, and um, I decided to just go at it, uh, just put our all into it, kind of like an all or nothing, and sorry, um, 
Anyway. So. No, I, I know it's a, it's a tough subject. When you think back on the sacrifices and the friends and the family that you were leaving behind, yeah. I can see your hesitation. And, and that's okay because I don't know if I could have done the same thing, like going to a place that I'm not sure if it's going to be the place or if my child is even going to be accepted because you took a gamble not knowing if your child would even be accepted. Yeah, it, it was a hard decision to, to make, um, but we didn't have as much of a family support as as one would want in this situation. So it didn't feel like so bad leaving them behind because we knew that we were alone in this. And so it was just us and the kids. And, you know, when you're a parent of of a, even a neurotypical child and they're starting school, you, you start to envision all these things like, oh man, I wonder if they're gonna be an athlete. And then you move on to like, oh, college. You know, you just think of this like, an, you envision your child's entire future in, in an instant. So us as special needs parents, we're actually no different. And it was important, at least to me, that our kids went into an education system where they would actually thrive and have a fighting chance. And since as facts is a K through 12 and has so many programs that help the uh, students even after they graduate, that was just a huge selling point for me and it was worth it. And you, you just said something about if they're going to, you know, how we talk about if our children are going to be athletes. Well, one of the beauty about SFAX, if you dreamt that Anthony, I could see Anthony being that athlete. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, um, you know, we, we do swimming, we do tennis, we enter the Special Olympics. There's just so much. Because one of the things that... Um, that I've always said, you know, when creating the school was that every single thing that my neurotypical children at home experience, all my student SFACs has to be able to experience too. So I would say that that is something that's never going to change. I think it's extremely important that the community realize and that folks out there realize that our kids are not deaf. They hear everything. They're not blind. They see everything. They are, I feel like they're more sensitive to certain things that we're just not around, that we don't, we're not aware of. I think they're a lot smarter than sometimes we give them credit for. And that's why it's so important to me. And I'm, I'm happy that you felt the same way, that you wanted your child, you wanted to think about the future. And, 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 and I think that's what I love about SFAX too. The fact that we're K-12, we're going to be starting our early childhood program pretty soon that we're going to be able to take our children in as early as six months. And who would have thought if I'd gotten Anthony or Dominic at six months where they would be now, right? Oh, yeah. exactly. So we're going to start taking kids at as early as six months. And then uh, after that, we're going to be taking kids. Um, we're going to be keeping them until I haven't made a decision yet <laughs> on what age group we're going to end. But we have a 22 and older program. And I feel like the kids who have been with me for the uh, the long run is where I've seen the most in, improvement with them and the most progress. And I don't know. Tell me about what you've seen that's different with the boys. I can say that because I can sit here and honestly know that I've seen tremendous improvement with them. And um, and there's still so much. We have a long way to go still, right? Oh, yeah. And, 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 and kind of like... So let us know like the, you know, the improvement that you've seen or lack of or things that they're still struggling with, because I'm sure there's still things that they're still struggling with. And let me say this to our listener. I am at work. So if you hear the phone ring or uh, someone knocking on my door, we we are 
I'm working. <laughs> yeah, we do these podcasts in real time. Yes. You're so, hearing everything. You're hearing everything. <laughs> so I apologize in advance. But for me, it was important that we weren't locked up in a private room doing this. I am still the director of this program and I still need to be here. And um, and I, I wanted to make sure that every experience that's shared on this podcast was experience that I've even lived through or my parents have. So again, I am so happy that you're both here. I I. I respect the sacrifices that you guys both made for both of your children to be here because I know it couldn't have been easy, even though, you know, Claudia did say, you know, we've lived here before, but Florida changes the drop of a hat. Like, oh, yeah. I'm sure wow. it has changed. But yes, but tell me, what are the changes that you've seen with your boys since you've been in school? How has SFAC supported you all? Because honestly, I believe... I'm quite. I'm constantly questioning myself. Am I doing enough for the parents? Am I giving you all the support? So I need to know, just for my own personal growth, like what have you seen with your boys, and how have we uh, supported you, and what could we do more of? That's a lot. That's a lot to ask. Because you know what, I want. I want folks out there who are thinking about doing an SFAX. Yes, of course. To know that it's possible, right? Yeah, but it's more than just a school. And this SFAX is a family. It's a community. Um, it's a learning situation. It, it's it, there's so much to it. You can't you can't just call it a school. Um, you know, Claudia. I think one of the biggest things that we noticed. We'll, we'll t- let's talk about the kids first, yeah. and then we'll talk about us as uh, you know and what how the parents' situation works. But Dominic talks. Dominic didn't talk before he went to SFAX. That, That's right. That, that was, he didn't say a word. All he said was his noises. Yeah, he would make the, the typical uh, noises that you would hear um, coming from someone with, uh, with no communication and is on the autism spectrum. And not only that, but he's also started to improve with the ability to respond to commands and requests, and he now asks for things on his own. These are all things that he wasn't doing it. and you mind you he was in school he started school in at three at, at three, three at in missouri and he was in a special program in missouri and and through that was the special program in broward county when we first moved here you know there was no improvement right and we had therapists and there was no improvement and when we got into s facts uh, i kid you not one year later dominic had tremendous improvement yeah that's correct um, and he wasn't even eating uh, at school no, I, he wasn't. I would send him uh, his lunch, and I would also send in money so he could get something from the cafeteria if he didn't uh, particularly care for what I what I was sending. And he just wasn't he wasn't eating uh, while he was in public school. No. But then after he started at SFAX a couple months into the school year uh, in kindergarten, he he started eating, and then his appetite just blew up, and he just. He eats everything now. No, yeah, no, <laughs> he, he, eats he loves everything. everything. Pizza and and chicken nuggets, of course. Every 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 child with autism loves chicken nuggets. But well, uh, I think that's the beauty of SFAX as well. There's no more than nine students per classroom, and there's three adults. There's a certified teacher and two assistants. We eat together. The teachers eat with the kids. The kids all eat together. So a lot of our students who came to us not eating after a while they get so curious because I love to say Florida is like a melting pot of cultures. So so within the classroom, there's all these different cultures being represented. So our kids get curious. You know, we are located in Hialeah, but we also have a big Jamaica um, island. Uh, we have like 
Haitian American, uh, Jamaican American, um, Americans, you know, <laughs> so there's a, a big uh, group of different cultures that's represented here, not only with my staff, but with our students. So I think our kids get curious, and <laughs> that's probably why, because uh, we don't have a lot of our students who have difficulties with trying different things. And the ones that do, we usually would do the eating program, but I'm happy that he wasn't one of them that I had to do an eating program with. Yeah. You just curious we'll, we'll probably have to do that with anthony though he 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 won't eat anything but french fries and pancakes but you know anthony is your anthony and, and that's another thing they have two boys in the school and they're day and night oh yeah. <laughs> every time i call anthony's name i don't know if uh those of you guys listening from the outside i have a little bit of giggle in my voice because anthony oh anthony he is adorable <laughs> that he is and he knows it um, but yes, uh, so I'm happy to see that you've seen um, improvement with Dominic. What about Anthony? His improvement, there's been a little bit of improvement, yeah. Um, he has made the improvement in, in um, grasping how to do things, like, you know, whether it's picking up something or moving something. And when you request him to do it, he does it, you know, and that's been in, con- in, in working with his uh, ABA therapist have also helped him with that as well. But the school reinforcement from that has been very well. And that's one of the big things about this school is you guys, you know, you, you send us, uh, the teachers send us an email and say, this is what we're working on with, with your son. That allows us to tell the ABA therapists who are at our house, this is what they're working on at school. And it allows us to know this is what they're working on for us to do at home. And by doing that trifecta where all of us are working in the same harmony, it really helps them to learn something. Um, And, you know, Anthony has made improvements in that. Anthony is a bit of a different case, though, um, because Dominic is Dominic's issue is he has autism and that's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. Anthony has a lot more issues. Anthony has epilepsy. He has ADHD. He has um you know, some other cognitive issues. He, he's very smart, extremely bright. And you can see it because he will go through phases where he, he learned his ABCs in no time. He's forgotten them, but he remembers them. He knows his colors. He knows what he's doing. But he gets uh, wildly upset. And, uh, you know, we had to get him on some medication. And then once we got him on the medication, he calmed down. The biggest thing the, the uh, psychologist that we see said about him was that he's just very anxious and very hyper and that caused him to not want to you know progress forward but now that he's calmed down he's back to learning things again you can see it already he he just this morning we were doing a bike day here at the school and um he doesn't know how to ride his bike he's got a new one he doesn't know how to ride it he doesn't he just sits on it but he loves it so much that he literally wouldn't get out of the car until they brought the bike around the front of it Mm -hmm. that's how much he loves that bike so. I mean, I like, I, again, our kids are, are snowflakes, right? Mm-hmm. There's no two that's alike. And even within the household with the same DNA, they're never going to be the same. But I think one of the things that I've said to parents over the years, and some parents like when I say it, and some parents don't appreciate when I say it, is that our kids were going to be whatever they were going to be, right? Right. Yep, Autism right. doesn't stop us from seeing the personality. And some kids are okay. Not that... Let me be careful how I say this. It's not that I think that some kids are okay having autism. I I believe some kids can tolerate having autism. And some kids don't like feeling the way they feel. And I think with your both of your boys, I think Dominic is just a little bit more mellow. So he's okay. You know, you throw it at me, I'm just going to take it and go. Anthony is the one that, you know, I enjoy. Not that I don't enjoy Dominic, but 
Anthony keeps me on my feet. He makes me think about the decisions I make as a as a principal, as a director, because he's just not going to take it. Yeah. I have this personality. Like, he was going to be that kid in class that says, I'm sorry, but I'm not doing that. Or I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't like that. Or I don't understand. You, you got to explain it to me in a different way. Much like my neurotypical child at home, he questions everything. Yeah. And Anthony has that. And it's okay because with that, you're going to see once he knows how to communicate his needs and want in the way and see that, okay, if I do it this way, I get this. You're going to see so much improvement with him that you, it's going to be mind bottling to you. You're going to be like, oh, when did he just get that? Because he has that personality. I yeah. totally agree. And yeah. another thing that you had brought up was, um, you know, parents and how do we receive help? Um, a while back in the podcast here, Claudia had mentioned we didn't receive much assistance from our family. That's one of the reasons why we moved. Uh, it, to clarify it, you know, it wasn't that they didn't want to help. They didn't know what we were talking about. They never heard of it. You know, the only person in our family who had heard of autism was her mother. And that's because Claudia's sister is an adult with autism. And they found out about her autism years after she had been around and, and no one knew what was wrong. It wasn't like, you know, four years old, you know? So, um, that was known there, but the rest of the family were like, oh, they'll come out of it. That's their typical family response. Oh, they'll come out of it. They're going to be better. Yeah. And we knew that wasn't the case. So we said, well, we better we better make a decision and come here. Well, when we came here, Dr. Moody, you know, we had no friends. We had our old friends that we had, you know, hung out with and they came and visited. And But as time went by, that went away because they're like, you know, we're so absorbed with taking care of our children. Our, our, and our children would absorb us. We couldn't go out. We couldn't have a party. We had no no one to watch them. Um, you know, before you guys implemented the um, the respite service, right? We, we didn't have anything that we could do, and it was so challenging, so difficult, not knowing anybody. And it's taken us years, and we still don't know anybody. I mean, we know a few folks, a few families here, but do they hang out with us? Not really. We just kind of talk on social media, and that's about the end of it. But the resources that the school has given us has made a tremendous difference because now we're able to use things like the respite program for the two of us to maybe just go somewhere or do something. And that's something that, again, when you look back at our history, and I know you you would say this, Claudia, when we were sitting in our house in Missouri and we said, what are we gonna do? We can't go anywhere, can't do anything. We can't leave them with someone. They can't have a daycare. Uh, none of this is gonna work because they can't communicate. Right. The, anyone who was dealing with our kids had to be uh, extremely skilled and qualified, which was non-existent where we were. Yeah. And I'll tell you, my, my, my family, your grandparents uh, and my mom and dad tried to, to watch the kids for us. And as time has gone by, they realized they can't. My dad flat out said, I know I can't watch them because, you know, Anthony he's strong he can do all kinds of, can, and then Dominic is sly that oh, kid yeah. knows how to open the door without letting you know he opened the door and he goes right out the front door and they're both elopers <clears throat> although I, I will give them credit they haven't eloped in many many years let's knock on something <laughs> please because <clears throat> um, you know we've we've held that one together but it's been so stressful because it's not just one but it's two kids with autism and it's not just us it's we're by ourselves basically for what we can do my family does try to throw some money at us to help us out her family does the same but we really are all alone and we had to let go of everything we had to come here uh, and on top of that 
racked up a tremendous amount of debt making the move as well. It's not cheap. You know, people think, well, that couldn't be that bad. Look, a house in Missouri is $196,000. That's a four-bedroom house. A house here, if you want to buy one, is $500,000. Yeah. So, you know, even our rent was, when we first got here, was so incredible that we wound up racking up so much that we ran out of credit cards. We've ran out of money. Uh, we fought. We've had to, had to change jobs because the job wasn't enough money to even survive. It's been a tough ride, but... We don't want to, the same thing we tell each other over and over again. You know, we miss our small town. Do we miss our mid-sized town? We miss the Midwest. We miss, you know, our mountainous range or our hiking or taking our time out in the wilderness and having fun. But doggone it, we are not leaving because these kids are in the best place that they can be. This is the only home for them and there's nothing like it, nothing like it in this country. And I know that if the most important thing for a special needs child is that they have something set up for their future when we're not around, I know and I know that she made the right choice by picking this place because I feel the vibe from you guys that I can trust my kids are in good hands for no matter what happens to us. Yeah, I, I mean, I when I say that in training that you guys aren't going to be around forever, so just build your village. And even if you don't have a village, get the school to be your village because we're here. We're here for you. Um, you brought up something about not being able to date and not being able to, to do certain things. Well, you know, that's one of the things that we're doing differently this year. My focus this year is on family. How can I build the family? How can I get the family to, to realize that they need each other, right? Um, every so often you need to like not think about autism. So we're going to be doing some date nights here that we set up the school for date nights for the parents. And we take the kids like, you know, maybe on one floor while you guys are downstairs. So we have all these ideas. Uh, we're we're going to make sure that you guys have your date night. Um, not sure how we're going to pull it off just yet. <laughs> we're going to have sleep over here too with uh, camping in the cafeteria. And, and you're right. If you guys aren't strong, if you guys aren't in a good place, then the kids aren't gonna. They're not gonna be, and they can feed off of that, and yeah. they can, and they can see it, you know. Um, but I have to take my my hat off to your dad. I've seen him a couple of times dropping off the boys. Angela, you're there with him, anyways. Yeah. But, I, I but at least he's <laughs> taking that drive, and he's been to some of our um, fundraising events. And, and I take my hat off to that. I, I really, you know, when we see the family trying, we, we have to, because they don't know. This year, one of the things that I'm going to do, and I and I hope you could get your folks to join, is that I'm going to be doing a, grand, a grandparents training. I typically focus on the siblings, but I, I feel like it's good to get the, the, the parents involved. Because... I know my mom hurts for me when things aren't going my way. So I can't just imagine your parents who hurt for you when they feel like you are not getting the support or, you know, are not being able to give you what you need. Right. So I'm going to see if I can give them the tools that they need to support their their children more. And in, in, in supporting their children more, they'll be able to support their grandchildren. Um, is there anything uh, like if a parent is out there listening and they're thinking, my town don't have something like this. You know, you know, I want to move, you know, to come to SFAX. Well, I want to say this. Don't move to come to SFAX. <laughs> but what you should do is probably send us your resume. Send me an email. Maybe I can help you find resources. We are, we do have some space for some kids. And we've been getting phone calls from all over the world, you know, just to have their, their children in, in our school. And, and 
and I, you know, thank you for all the folks that's been doing that, but it's, it's a great sacrifice and, and you have to, you know, you got, you, you guys got lucky by getting in a year later, but I've had folks who've been waiting to get into the school now for a while and, and they have not been able to, because there's something about the IEP that does not give them the ability. So if you're listening and you're thinking, I'm in another state and I want to come to SFAS, your child's IEP has to say autism. Yeah, that was a, that was a difficult hurdle to, to get over. And it, it was, I had to go to various meetings and I, I kept it cordial. Uh, <laughs> I, I kept calm, and but it was hard. It was hard. She's, yeah. she's a superstar. Let me, let me be, be frank with this. When it comes to bringing everything together, I helped her do that. But when it comes to making sure that they had what they needed, that was her. She fought with the schools. She fought with the, with the insurance with companies. I, she spent a day on the phone with Medicaid demanding that they give her a different policy because what we had was not covering ABA. So I... I, I yeah, I had to file a grievance in order to get out of that policy. Yeah. I, I'm like, to the person on the other line, my, my child, it, he needs help. And what is going to help him is applied behavioral therapy, and you you do not cover it. I need to get out. And it, it was just a crickets. whole mess. It was crickets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the, to folks that are listening, if you want to come here, here's the things you need to realize. This is something that, as from a parent who has moved to come here, it's different if you lived here. The people that lived here have resources. They have their families. They have their friends. They've lived here. They know the cost of living here. They make the money to live here. If you come here from another state, and especially one that's not like New York or Los Angeles, you know, in those cities um, where you've already started making that kind of money, the people that come here, you've you got to know that the rent is really expensive. And I mean, I'm not kidding you. For a two-bedroom apartment, the cheapest that we were able to get was $1,700 a month. That was the, you know, that that's almost... Uh, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars more than we were paying for a house. So, you know, you're going to know that the expense to living here is expensive and the jobs don't pay as much as you would think. And that's the most important thing. If you think you're going to come here, you're going to spend a lot of money. You're going to spend a lot of savings. Um, and then you have to wait. You're going to have to wait to get in because the school is growing. Like you said, you know, we got lucky we came when we did because it, we may not get here if we tried to go now. Yeah. If there was anything that could be done, I would love to see more schools like this around the country. I, I've often told Claudia, I said, I wish Dr. Moody could franchise this so that people could open it up with the same, you know, like a McDonald's, the same thing. It's exactly the same. My board and I have <laughs> thought about that, but come up with a presentation and present it at one I, of I our board meetings. I might have to do that. It, it is, um, it, I, I feel like the way how we've built it, we've made it um, our fundraising efforts and, and everything. Um, we are able to be replicated and i and i would love for us to be able to one day um i feel like every every state should have an svax right yeah um and and, and i also want parents to know that's listening if you're local or if you're in a different state you we're not babysitters we don't watch your child. That's right. We, we teach your children, and there is requirements to be here. Oh, yeah. If I'm going to teach your child how to use the restroom, you're going to have to teach your child to use the restroom. Folks, listen to me talk, and I'm smiling because I love my job, and <laughs> you can't take that away from me, but I work hard every single day for every single student here. I know every single student's name, and I know every single student what makes them happy, what makes them sad, you know, how to get them to do things, because I make that my priority. But 
I also make sure the parents know that I can't do this on my own. The teachers can't do this on their own. And um, and Johnny's sitting here. He knows they come to my trainings. I do over 40 trainings a year, and I expect parents to do at least four of them. We do fundraiser. We If it moves, Dr. Moody sells it. <laughs> what that means is that I am not afraid to, to roll up my sleeve and fundraise. I fundraise every single day. I'm constantly thinking, what can I do to make sure that we have the best? And guess what? Our kids right now have the best the best building. This no, is an awesome down. building. You can't com- you can't compare to this building. Yeah. I mean, this is again. And when we saw your vision online, because you had it posted online way mm-hmm. back then, we knew you you can see this. And I think that's a lot of the reason why there's folks that do make that effort to come here and wait because there is nothing like this in the country. There's nothing where it's not just a school. It's a school that you know is going to train your kid. It's ABA based. It's, you know, so they're getting therapy while they're getting trained, while they're getting lessons. They're not learning about, you know, uh, the huge level stuff that we grew up with in school, but they're learning life skills, things that we need to know, to know how to do laundry, how to go to the bathroom instead of having to wear a diaper. Mm -hmm. Uh, And not only that, but we know that the resources are there for us. You guys are helping us. You're you're giving us input, things we need to do Um, and assignments. Yeah. Respite. Well, my the, the most important one is the the is um the involvement. So many parents with children with autism, and it bothers the heck out of me. Don't get involved. They just they just you know like you said, you're not a babysitter. Right. The, the kids have got to have that parental backing. We've got to, we as parents have to do just as much as the teachers do, as much as the therapists do, because our kids know if if we're not doing it. Oh, and we can get by with whatever we want because they're not, they're not stupid. John and I are big proponents of that. We work like a train. <laughs> All the carts are linked together, and that's how the train is able to move through the tracks smoothly and get to where it's supposed to be. So if, the, if, the, if, we're, if we are expecting our kids' therapists to do something that the teachers are doing, so meaning that they are receiving at school, we have to do it too. Yeah, generalization of of the things that we do here is important. And being able to do it in a natural environment is even more important. I can teach your kids to set a table at school, but that's not typically where it's done. Right. So if when they go home, it's being done in the home setting, you've just generalized, you know, can you imagine... um, you know, when I use this word, sometimes parents get, oh, God, Dr. Mude, I can't believe you just said that. But we want to be able to set our kids up that they're not a burden right. to anyone else in life, right? Because, mm-hmm. of course, we're going to do what we need to do because we're parents. But that doesn't mean that auntie or uncle or the best friend that you assume is going to take your child is going to do the same thing. Exactly. This is why we need to make them as independent as possible. You know, we need to be the one to, to, to teach them these things so that when we're no longer around, they're as independent, you know? You just, you know, you brought up a really good point and something that you mentioned to me yesterday, uh, Claudia. You, We know a lady that um, has an adult with autism and she has a friend who is going through a scenario right now because they just weren't prepared. What, what was the situation behind that? Oh, I believe it was uh, on the topic of... Uh, guardianship and having a special needs trust set up for your special needs child, which uh, which is something that you do handle uh, down the road. And ASFAX does provide trainings um, on that. 
So that's a, another really cool thing and how they help the parents is through these community trainings. And I do a training workshops. on that every single year. And recently, with my um, generosity of my board, I was able to hire a social worker that's going to be working really closely with the parents and being to provide them with these resources even more on an intimate um, way because I do bring in lawyers and I do bring in folks. And, um, and you said a lot later on now, guardianship is later on, but... Special needs trust is like right now. Yeah, you can set it up now. But it's um, it's important, guys. It's just like you know, if you're not doing a prepaid college fund, you should be probably looking at the special needs trust, right? Um, um, and again, this uh, podcast is just really to inform you. I will be hoping in the in the near future, I'll be bringing in someone that will be able to talk about special needs trust, someone that will be able to talk about uh, guardianship and SSI and all these different resources that the rockers have just spoken to you about that we have at SVAX. Because mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, why reinvent the wheel? If your school or your community is not providing with these resources, SFAX is here for you too. We want to be able to share what we know with everyone because um, at the end of the day, I just feel like these, uh, it shouldn't just be bottled up and stay at SFAX. It should be spread. Yeah. It should, every, everyone should have a University of Miami Nova Card Center. That's yeah. important. Everyone should, you know, be on the Autism Speak website. Everyone should, you know, just see what you can get from all these people. Oh, yeah. And again, you can always visit us at www.sfacs.org and you can get information on our trainings. Right now, they're going to continue to be on Zoom for a little bit more. So folks can log in from wherever they are and to be able to join our training because they'll be posted on our website. And if you want more information, feel free to contact us at info at sfax.org. And I'll be, I'll be glad to be able to share this information with you. Um, the Roggers here are sitting down. They all have my cell number. If your <laughs> child is in our school, I give my cell number to every parent. Fortunately, I can't give it to folks all over the country because then, you know, what oh, wow. happens You'll when you do that? I'll never calls. stop calling. Uh, but if you had to end with some advice to parents who are sitting down right now, just got that, found out that their child got diagnosed and, um, and they don't know, like, what do I do first? You know, um, do I find a neurologist? Do I? Because like I know if a parent asks me, I say build your village, right? But like as parents, I could say whatever I want to say because I'm the outside looking in. But what would be the first thing? Is there anything that you did that you wish you did differently? I, I just realized that every time I ask you guys a question, I add like four other things. It's all right. it's all right. <laughs> but if you could do something differently, or if you like what you did. What would like? What is that one thing that you can tell that parent right now that just left their neurologist or their pediatric, um, their child's doctor, and they just got the diagnosis and they don't know what to do? All right. So the the person who's gonna tell you uh, to take your first step is your pediatrician. Uh, they're going to re- probably refer you to a neurologist, and that is who you would go see secondly. Uh, when we had Dominic diagnosed. And uh, um, he was diagnosed with autism. The neurologist came up to me and she sat across from me and she asked me if I was okay. So apparently um, a lot of parents, I guess typically for her, after they get the diagnosis, they break down, which is totally, you know, totally fine. I mean, we're human. And it's a lot of emotions to take in one day. 
especially getting a diagnosis like that. Uh, and what she did was, you know, she asked me if I was okay, and I said, yes, I'm fine. And she put down this big, thick, encyclopedia-looking binder with all these pages in front of me and said, look for resources, and sent me on my way. So the, that's the first thing I did was to look for resources. Uh, Dominic had a verbal deficit, so he couldn't communicate with me. So that obviously is the root of almost everything is to be able to communicate with someone else, your wants and your needs, fears, etc. So I looked for a speech therapist and we were able to get one and she did come to the, to the house. Uh, but that's where we stalled and wound up here in, in South Florida. Um, so I guess my advice to someone who receives that diagnosis, sit down, breathe, it's gonna be okay. But you have to keep going, you have to keep moving and you can't be afraid of what the future holds. Don't give up. Uh, I would have to agree with that. My thing would be to tell you that, look, you know, you need to breathe for a minute and you need to, to hear what's happening. It's gonna hit you hard. You know, as a father, I was hoping to have neurotypical kids. I wanted to go sledding. I wanted to go camping. Um, I was an Eagle Scout. I wanted my kids to join the Scouts. That stuff, I, I, when I was talking to the doctor, they said, no, none of that's gonna happen, sorry. And I went several years believing that never was going to happen. And I was, it, it hurt. It hurt tremendously because I, I looked at it as like my life's over. Everything I wanted to do is over. And I, I'm going to be caring for this special needs kid for the rest of my life. And then one day I stopped and I said, you know what? This is wrong. These kids are just as great as any kid. They're my kids and I love them. And you know what? They can do great stuff. And you know what? The more they learn, the more I help them learn, the closer I'm going to get to taking them on that sled ride, the closer I'm going to get to going on that camping trip with them. Because guess what? They can do it. They can do it. Uh, I can't tell you enough that just because your kid's been diagnosed with autism, it, it doesn't mean that they're they're gone. It means that they're just different and they're not bad. And there are cases that, you know, <coughs> these kids can sometimes be really, really tough and it's really, really difficult. But that's where, as Dr. Moody said, you need to build a village. You need friends. You need folks. You need family. You need people who understand what autism is. Not, not your old buddy who goes down to the bar and drinks with you every night because he's going to talk about old times and make you go crazy. Mm -hmm. You need someone new who knows autism autism, a family member who can give you some, some comfort when he says, you know, you had a bad day. I know I've had my bad days too. So don't give up on your kids. Give them strength. Stand with them. Don't let them go. Don't think negatively about them. They're good kids. And you know, one thing I love the most about knowing my kids ha are here with me and they have autism, I'm watching as family members and friends of mine have neurotypical kids who are causing chaos. <laughs> and I mean, they are in trouble with, with everything. And my kids are over here learning how to ride a bike. I celebrate every little thing that they do at 10 years old that Dominic does. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't care how far behind he is. He's making me smile. And I know I'm not going to have to worry about him getting into drugs. I'm not to worry about him driving a race car at 500 miles an hour, which is not really, you know, on the street. I know that my things with him are going to be probably even more exciting than I thought they were going to be when I was wanting to have kids. So don't don't freak out. Don't freak out. Just love your kids and move forward. And I will end by saying, because you both uh, summed it up, it's not a, a sprint. It's a long distance race. So pace yourself. 
pace yourself. Thank you guys for being here. Gosh, we could continue talking for another hour. Um, you know, it's just great to talk to parents to just to see and just kind of remind me why I do the things that I do. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. I'm sure your story is going to touch someone you know, um, when they listen to this and if anyone would like to talk to, are you guys willing to like respond to any emails that anyone may ask, may want to talk to you directly? Definitely. Only if they're offering to take me out. <laughs> <laughs> babysit, babysit. Well, <laughs> we would definitely, uh, love to be able to do that. Yes. Um, we consider it a privilege when we can help others. Absolutely. Well, uh, it, this has been fun, Dr. Moody. And I, I, it's kind of odd, you know, ending the show like this because I'm, I'm actually, you know, with you on the, on this as a guest, but, uh, this has been the autism 411 podcast. And again, if anyone wants to reach to Dr. Moody, that uh, email address, it's DR actually, no, I'm not giving you my email address. <laughs> right. It's info at SFACS.org. That's info at SFACS.org. And feel free to just email us and one of us will get back to you as quickly as possible. Also feel free to follow us on social media. You can see some of the wonderful things that Roger spoke about, um, outside the special Olympics, all the different events that we put on. Um, you know, let us know how you feel about the things that we're doing. And again, like he says, you would like to see us franchise into like a McDonald's. <laughs> if you have any question in your state and just to hear how we started this, we have no problem sharing again. We're, it doesn't make any sense to reinvent the wheel. We're here and we would love to be able to help all folks, not just folks in Florida or folks that's at South Florida Autism Charter School, but anyone who has a child with autism, anyone who's just, you know, newly being di diagnosed or anyone who has an older um, child and never knew there was resources out there, we'd love to be able to help you. And feel free to go on our website at www.sfacs.org and you will see the trainings. Sounds very good. Dr. Tamara Moody, this is the Autism 1411 podcast from South Florida Autism Charter School, and we'll be back with another edition soon. This has been the Autism 411 podcast with Dr. Tamara Moody from the South Florida Autism Charter School. To learn more, visit safacs.org.